All right, DJ and PK, time to welcome in Craig Bullerjack. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Bowler, good morning. Hey, DJ, you going solo, huh? Well, you know, every once in a while, yeah. You got to hold down the ship, right? I want to know from you, Bowler. Not numbers. I got David Locke for that. Yeah. <laughs> Not X's and O's. I got me for that. You know what I want from you, Buller? I want the vibe. I want the energy. I am curious because you have traveled for a long time, a lot of different coaches. Uh, you know, you traveled for a couple of years with the Jazz back in the 80s, right? When they were still on over the air TV and you're the analyst. Oh, yeah. So yeah, you've, yeah, that's right. You've traveled with. Uh, the only three coaches <laughs> that the Jazz have had since uh, what, over the course of like almost 40 years now. Not quite. Over, right. over 35 years. Uh, was, was Frank Layden the coach when you traveled? Uh, yes, in the early days. Yes, okay. yes. And were when you I doing found out TV? I was Hot Rod's analyst. It was, it okay. was Frank Layden. And then you did TV. You started doing TV right at the end of the Jerry Sloan era, right? Uh, 05. Jerry okay. was there, yes, for another golly. So I have to count it down. So it's four yeah. coaches, almost 40 years. And right. you know the vibe when you get on a team bus, when you're watching guys uh, at practice, or you know, just on a plane flying from one city to another. And you know how guys act after wins and how they act after losses. You know when they're mad. You know when they're sad. You know when that's normal. And you know when, ooh, this is a little unusual right now. Because you've just you've been around it. It's second nature, right? We can walk into our own homes or our own job and kind of have the same vibe. This is a good day. This is a bad day. I'm curious, after the Jazz lose back-to-back games, when they've been crushing it for two months, and then they lose two games they think they should have won, and honestly, they should have won. Well, so what's the vibe now? In the locker Upset. room, on the plane? Upset. Upset. Locker room should have. Uh, they know they're better. Uh, that the teams are playing, they feel that uh, locker room was not uh, not a place you want to hang out too long uh, last night. In fact, it was a pretty rushed. Let's get out and let's go to Denver and let's go play again. And so, probably uh, for them to have a back to back is probably the best cure all on this particular case, where fatigue or uh, you know the back to back situation is is sometimes difficult, but not in this case. It's probably the best the best scenario you could have. You know, the Jazz have been rolling, as you said, DJ. Uh, this this team was running through teams, and, of course, uh, there would be those who would say lesser opponents, yet the Dallas win was, uh, uh, was a, you know, a very exciting, you know, battle between, you know, a lot of good young talent down in Dallas and the Jazz. Um, Houston game. Uh, that was an oddity, I thought, with a smaller lineup. And then last night, again, got behind early against San Antonio. And again, you ran across a very hot shooter, uh, DeMar DeRozan, the night before. Two nights prior, it was Eric Gordon. So uh, it seems like the guard play uh, has been an issue now the last two games. The losses that have come upon the Jazz, where Rudy's been out of the mix, been bumped out of the paint. And they've uh, been up against some physical, fast guards who have been on a hot streak and knocked down shots. Uh, the Jazz have not knocked down shots, which has basically been uh, their M.O. over the last, what, 21 games prior to uh, the two losses. So uh, 
yeah, upset. I think they worked through a lot of issues prior to this. Uh, these two losses, had they just digressed, we'll have to wait and see. I'm anxious to see how they uh, come out against Denver because these are the teams too, DJ, that we talked about earlier last week that they have to beat if you're going to be a Western Conference uh, champion. Uh, you know, and that's that's the thing that you you know the home games you have to go down to Houston and play them on the road, and now you see Denver for the first time, San Antonio for the first time. And these, these are important games you have to win. Craig Bolderjack joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Put it up on social media. You know, the Jazz have lost back-to-back games for the first time since early December. They lost three in a row in the first four days of December on a horrible Eastern trip. What's wrong? You know, your thoughts. And uh, Carl says, stop looking at social media. Stop moping around over Kobe. Get back to work. Please. How much of it do you think is not X's and O's, is not basketball, and is emotional? Ooh, that's good. That's a good question. I, I, I don't know if Kobe impacted the Jazz um, in the Houston loss or not. Look, there was a real high uh, after the Dallas game, and I don't know if that was you know, uh, the letdown or you walk out and you kind of realize you know, basketball is a game and life is life. Okay, maybe you could chalk it up to that for a lot of players in this league. Uh, last night you should have been you know, pushed yourself through that despite the fact it's an impact. I get that for a lot of people. Uh, but I think once you get on the basketball floor, a lot of those things are blocked down and the moment comes into play. I really think, DJ, it's been the fact that uh, Houston showed them something they weren't maybe prepared for uh, because of the injuries, and Capella and Westbrook was on a rest night, and Harden was out, and you get a bunch of players that come out and basically attack you and uh, put you in most what I thought was more of a scramble mode, but also a more physical run-at-you type of, uh, of offense. And then last night, uh, I think Pops is such a good coach, kind of the same mentality. Uh, they didn't really play big. They played small. They played fast. And that's where I think sometimes the Jazz get turned around and uh, have issues with when they can't use Rudy the big man to alter or slow down the flow. That's kind of my take. And that's I think you've seen two teams who really have just kind of been on a downhill run attack. I don't think you can panic. I mean, we've been through this before. I mean, Big T and I talked about this the other night, that the prediction is there's always the ebbs and flows. Uh, and you sooner or later, that run of wins has to come to a stop in most cases, and then you start restart again. Sometimes a loss is a kick in the pants, and you kind of re you know, uh, you gather yourself and move forward. And it's sometimes a loss is a good thing. So, again, two in a row, Denver, no time to think. You have to go out and play and react, and then you've got a game against Portland. Uh, Saturday night against really one of the most dynamic backcourts, high-scoring backcourts with Lillard and McCollum. So this is no easy task right now. No easy task. You will be shocked to learn that our social media is full of criticism of Mike Conley. I know it. I know you're stunned. I'm not surprised. (laughs) I read it last night on the plane. Sure. I think a couple things. One, and I think this is where – you know, nobody wants to hear it's a work in progress, but it's a work in progress. And the thing I would point to right now, and feel free to use this on a broadcast, Travis, have Travis build one of those fancy graphics. Those things are cool. I like those. <laughs> what 
if you look at Conley, since he came back, his percentage on two-point shots, remember how everyone was frustrated? Like, man, he gets in a paint and he misses that floater. I don't think he's shooting the floater as much. I think he's getting to the rim more. Locke can probably provide you with numbers on that. And he is shooting a very high percentage. He's shooting about 70% on two-point shots since he came back. So the whole thought that he was going to watch, he was going to adjust, he was going to figure stuff out, you know, that has to be done across a bunch of categories. And it's easy for us to look at shooting. That's what we tend to look at as fans and me to ask Quinn. He'll tell you. Uh, And on those two-point shots, he's now about 70%, which is way up. Now, the three-pointer has completely eluded him. He's won for the last 15 cold stretch or whatever else, you know, when he got here, that was like the one thing he could do is he was shooting the three. You know, he was shooting like 38% or something from three, which if that's your fifth best three-point shooter, awesome. <laughs> You're good to go, right? Now he comes back from the injury. He's not shooting the three as well, but because he shot it well earlier this year, I assume that comes back. Um, but then they're looking at a bunch of different things, you know, the choices he's making uh, when he's passing Turn the ball. Over turnovers, uh, defensively, you know, on the ball and then, you know, off the ball and rotations. I mean, there's a million things that I'm sure Quinn goes through on video. Footwork and all kinds of stuff. Uh, So I'm curious what you think of the work in progress there, both the positives and the negatives Mike's still got to work on. Well, I know that uh, fans are frustrated because, look, let's be honest, uh, you know, the investment is is one of the most, if not – the deepest that Jazz have ever dove into, right, uh, to pick up a contract of sixty plus million dollars and the expectations of 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 Mike performing at a high level uh, still hasn't really, you know, shown through uh, after what we saw him as a Memphis Grizzly for twelve years. I know he's working hard. I talked to him uh, in in length yesterday, and I felt like you know in our conversation that you know watching he was more mentally fresh. And obviously, physically, had his legs back. You know, someone made a comment last night that there's still a bit of like, uh, they felt like he looks confused. That's a really interesting take. I'm not sure if the comfort is still there and waiting for that to feel like he's playing fluid without thinking about what he's supposed to do. I think it's probably the biggest uh, I, I think that seems to be the most common comment of his play. And I keep looking at that as well. And there's moments where I think he's really in the moment. And then again, there'll be a couple of back-to-back turnovers or he misses a player who's making a cut baseline instead of, you know, going out to the wing to, to, to go for three. You know, I wish I had the answers. Only really Mike and Quinn can answer it. Uh, I think that the team still supports him. Uh, but sooner or later, uh, you know, I, you know, some people say the cure is to him for him to start. I don't see how that happens. Uh, with the way Donovan, Joe, Rudy, Royce, and Bogdanovich have played, you know, together. And if you notice last night, in fact, the last two games, if I'm not mistaken, they've tried to put Mike in as the first guard and Clarkson would come in second. That's been a flip. Clark Clarkson was the first guy off, uh, and then and then Mike would, would be there at the table. But now they're trying to get Mike, I think, a few more minutes. He jumped up to what? Let me look at my scorecard last night. Yeah, he went 21 last night, which is the most, which is the most minutes he's played so far. So I'm sure it's frustrating behind the scenes. Uh, you know, we're allowed to peek in the door on occasion when it really comes down to some of these big decisions. But this is something that Quinn, uh, Dennis, Justin, and David Moray will have to, 
you know, figure out. And really, it comes to Quinn on minutes and how this whole rotation is going to work out. A couple of losses makes everybody panic. Uh, we'll see what happens, uh, you know, after you after they play Denver tonight. Okay, so the first thing that I want in regard to Conley is something that I absolutely cannot have. No one is going to allow me to have this. I'm going to be so shut down. But you know what I'm going to do? We put on this uniform, as Carl Malone used to say, as the mailman would say, no excuses. So I'm going to run right. into that brick wall, and I'm going to die on this hill, even though I know it's hopeless. When we talk about Conley, we have to stop reverencing the money. All right, that's not going to happen. I know he's making $32 million and no jazz players made that kind of money, and blah, 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 blah. And I get that. But here's what the money says. The money says, I respect you, you're the best player, right? That's why right. Gobert's going to get the big deal. And that, well, he has a big deal, and he's going to get a bigger deal. I should. And, and Donovan's going to come off that rookie contract, and his salary is going to go through the roof. And I don't know what the cap number is going to be and what percentage they're going to be allowed to give him, but they're going to give him 100% of whatever they're allowed to give him. That's the thing I'm sure of. And yes. so we look at Mike at $32 million, you should be the best player on the team. Well, he's not going to be. It, this is about oh, Donovan. True. Donovan's, you know, 31 points. He's averaging 25. So if you're going to compare Conley's production to the year and a half left on his salary, your head's going to explode. So just let that go. I think the question is, when he's on the floor, do those five guys function at a really high level? And it's hard to do because he's used to having the ball in his hands. He's used to taking a lot of shots. And if that happens, people are immediately going to scream, and they're going to be right, well, that's less for Donovan and that's less for Joe. And that's less for Bogdanovich. And those guys are killing it. And I think of all the people, it's going to impact Joe the most. And I think that playing him with the bench is a chance to put the ball in his hands more often without taking it out of the hands of these other guys because one or two of them will be off the floor. You talked about how you don't think, and I think you're right, Bowler, I think you're spot on, that O'Neal with Bogdanovich, Gobert, Ingles, and Mitchell really fits. O'Neal doesn't handle the ball much. And he doesn't shoot much. And if Mike Conley came in and played exactly like Royce O'Neal, which A, I don't think he would do, and B, I wouldn't recommend. But if he did, our social media would be full of, well, Conley doesn't have the ball. He's not doing anything. Well, there's one ball and there's five guys. Everybody can't have it at the same time. So yeah, that's, that's another great point. I, I, I agree. I mean, there's only so many you know shots to take. And right now, Donovan, Joe, and Bogdanovich are your main ball Handlers, the second unit. Look at Jordan Clarkson last night, who dropped 20, took 14 shots. Mike took eight. All right, Bogdanovich took 16, and Donovan Mitchell uh, had took 20 shots. But he's a second half guy. I mean, you look at what he did last night. Uh, you know, he goes for 31 again. He had 12 at the half. So he was the guy that kept pushing the Jazz along with Bogdanovich in the first half. But Donovan took over in the second and got the Jazz close, but never pushed through. They got to five multiple times, and then, uh, you know, last night San Antonio would answer. Or a quick timeout by Popovich. He never lets a team uh, really get a run against him. I've never seen him let teams just run away and, you know, almost like punish his team to say, ah, they'll work it out. No, he always stops play and stops your momentum, and he did that several times last night. So, but, you know, DJ, the bottom line is, Royce, you make a point about Royce. You're right. He doesn't shoot the ball, which gives Donovan and Bogdanovich and touches, even Joe Ingles right? more shots because he's a defender. When he does get the ball, he's been very accurate from the three-point line or the corner three. So I don't see how you move Mike at the moment into a starting lineup without total disruption. So 
can you play him as a six man? Can you sell that as a six man to him as well and say, look, be productive. You take on second unit players, then you rotate in, and Quinnen's played him with the starters as well. He's been on the floor in the fourth quarter late, and you have to see if this doesn't work its work itself out. So here's what I believe 100%. I don't have all the answers here. Uh, I do think it takes more time, and nobody wants to hear that. I get that. No, I do no, think, no, not at this time of the season. I do it's think difficult. With, but with the changes in the bench and with Conley's injury, it's almost like he came back to a different team. And they got to figure out this whole balance of what his role needs to be and then get him to execute that role. And I think I see little things that I'm confident that's going on. You know, that people's heads and hearts are in the right place, and it's starting to happen, but it hasn't completely happened, and that frustrates people. And I don't think it's the only reason they've lost these two games. I think the reason we're talking mostly offense, and the reason they lost these two games is mostly the defensive end of the floor. But the other reason, I have a lot of confidence in this, and I don't know how much you want to go into this. You might go, you're right, DJ, click, I got to run. Uh, <laughs> there is a notion, not entirely accurate, among jazz fans the jazz are nice, and they treat people the right way, and yet. They're just nobody wants to offend Conley because he got a big start to come here. He's happy about coming here, and they aren't going to make the tough choices that need to be made. They're not going to have a hard enough edge. And I know what press conferences look like with Quinn, and I know what they look like with Justin Zanuck and with Dennis Lindsay. But also, I've heard enough stories. Did Bowler just hang up? Did he just out? No, you're there. Oh, you're there. Okay, <laughs> no, I'm hanging on. I'm All right. listening. All right, I have zero worries about those guys having enough of an edge. Ruthless isn't quite the same word, because I don't want to go, you know, mob movie and, you know, casino and the cornfield. I mean, ruthless might be, we're talking sports here. But in a basketball sense, they're ruthless enough to make any hard decision that needs to be made. And if that means they think they have to sit Conley, they will. If it means they have to sit Joe, they will. If it means they have to, whatever, they they cut Jeff Green. They admitted they were wrong about the bench moves, and they went out and made the Clarkson uh, trade. They sat yeah, Ed Davis, which people don't really know Ed Davis here, but I know a guy who has never worked for the Jazz but has been in the NBA a long time, and he loves Ed Davis and says Ed Davis is a great guy. And he's not surprised how things are going in Utah for Ed, but he freaking loves Ed. you know. So I don't think it was fun for them to say, hey, Ed, you're not playing. We're no, playing this no, guy over here. It wasn't. Hey, I think DJ, it, sucked. it wasn't easy for Dennis to finally say, "Look, the the prodigy, the Dante Exum, who was going to be right, you know, this to this trade star, Dante, yeah." And they they had to finally let him go because the team wasn't functioning at the level that is expected. You make a great point. Look, that job's not easy to make decisions, but they'll do it. Disrupt, but they'll, they'll do have, it. They have to do it. That's yeah. their job. That's their job. And I think, you know, again, they try to give every player the benefit of the doubt to work themselves back in to understand an offense and a defense that Quinn Snyder's put together. It's a complicated system. But yet, I think everyone is surprised that it's taken so long for Mike to feel comfortable to just to go out and play basketball. Look, the system in Memphis was different. He played with a different big man in Gasol versus Gobert. And so... All those things come into play. Injury comes into play. And then, of course, the fan base wants it now. Uh, you know, sometimes, again, the money, you make a great point. The money that's paid to a player also equates to the results when he's on the floor, right? It's supposed to. And so yeah. that, that's the other part of the, of the equation here is that they realize the expense, the, the, the investment that the Jazz put into Mike, and they expect automatic results. And sometimes – 
in the world of basketball that doesn't uh, pan out all the time. So other teams have had these same issues, and the Jazz really dove into it, DJ, as you know, and made investments. But they also, you know, Jeff Green, I thought, would be a bigger make a bigger impact, but it just didn't fit the way uh, that they thought. So they had to make the move. Dante, multiple injuries and years of trying to make him into a player that they thought he would be or had the potential to be. They move him. Look at the Clarkson move. Everything just turned and changed on a dime overnight with that. So, um, you know, the Jazz, Quinn will tell you, it's still a work in progress, which I think kind of surprises people because they are a team that works with precision. That was the word used at shoot-around again yesterday. And if you are off just a bit, this team seems to have a night like they did last night and also against the Houston Rockets. So, Quinn Snyder and his staff very good about moving the needle and trying to put the team back in focus and back on the right track. And with no time really to prepare or at least get together, we'll have you know a little walk through this morning, uh, a little bit later. But you know you just got to go out and play the game and let the natural flow, you know, jump and you jump and go tonight, right? I mean that sometimes is the best thing for a ball player. I've talked to Harper and Big T about it. Sometimes you don't want to talk about it. You just want to go out and play and it'll work itself out. So another chance tonight to do so. We'll see. Bowler, we appreciate it as always. Thanks a lot. All right, pal. See you soon. Craig Bowler, Jack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Jazz and Nuggets tonight. Late game, TNT, 830.